Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Today is Monday, September 17th, and this is the Red Sox Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. My name is Jared Scally, and today I'm alongside my co-host, of course, as Jess Thomas. All right, welcome in the show, everyone. Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox. Your first place, 103-win team, Boston Red Sox. At Red Sox, CLNS is the coverage. Red Sox beat podcast on Facebook. Rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher. You know, you listen to us everywhere. I'm going to bring up the 103 wins a lot tonight because Jess asked me to. Because you're because <laughs> you're 103 and 47, and you're 59 and a half games up on the Orioles. Had to bring that up too. You're 59 and a half games up on the Baltimore Orioles. Jess, they are garbage of a baseball team. It's unprecedented. I mean, you have to have a team that's 103 and 47, and then yep. a team in the same division that's 43 and 106. That is really hard to do because 100 wins is hard to get. 100 losses is hard to get. Put the two together. Plus more, there's still over 10 games left, and they're already this far apart. It's, I mean, 59 and a half games does not happen much. That is just unheard of. The, it's, it's insane. The Baltimore Orioles have a run differential of minus 250. <laughs> but they won their last game, so hey, good for them. Um, biggest story is this week, the Red Sox will clinch the division. The magic number is down to dos games. Yankees and Red Sox are off, both on Monday, as this is released. And then they start a three-game set together. It's in the Bronx, right? In yep. the Bronx. So sure is. Red Sox are going to clinch the division in the Bronx unless they get swept for some weird reason, but that won't happen. So even if you win one game, guys, you're going to win the division in enemy territory, which is actually fantastic because if you watch the games prior against the Mets this week, um, the Mets and the Red Sox have some similar enemies. It's called the Red, it's called the Yankees. And there was a Yankees suck chant started, mind you, by the Mets fans that are in the stands. And then all of Fenway just started chanting Yankees suck. At this point, the Red Sox are winning by a couple runs. But I just loved, by the way, Jazz. I wanted to bring this up because I thought it was cool, the fact that a Yankees suck chant broke out between the Mets fans and the Red Sox fans. Right? No Yankees even in the building, and you got a Yankees suck chant. And it happened multiple times, too. That wasn't just one time. It happened like three or four or five times. <laughs> in mul- over multiple games. Right, exactly. It happened on Saturday, happened on Sunday. So that was pretty fun, yeah. I, I really enjoyed that. That was fun playing the Mets. And I also want to point out, you said, obviously, the Red Sox clinch the division against the Yankees unless they get swept. But the best part is, even if the Yankees sweep, the Red Sox are still eight and a half games up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> even if they sweep. If they don't win until Friday, the Red Sox are still eight and a half games up in the division. It, it's kind of nice. Yep. So we can Quite talk. Efficient. Let's talk about this quick because obviously we know there are some Red Sox 
headlines to get to. There's news this team is making between Chris Sale, Betts got hurt a little bit here, and players we want to talk about in terms of the playoff roster because Jess and I are going to start looking ahead because, one, they already clinched the playoff spot, and two, in a couple days next week, we'll be talking about your division champ, Boston Red Sox, by the time we record next week's show. So we'll talk about some players, too, but one thing I want to dive into first because as we're talking about big picture is this upcoming wild card game, Yankees-A's. Jess, the series against the Yankees, you have six more games against the Yankees. Obviously, they're not going to mean anything for the division um, because you're going to clinch the division in a couple days, but you can also affect if the Yankees play this wild card game at home or on the road. And that's massive for me because I think, one, the Yankees can have a disadvantage or have a huge advantage anyway being at home because of the short porch and things like that. So you put them in a big ballpark like Oakland, must be, it's a football stadium, you're going to have an advantage there if you're the A's because you play there all the time. So I like the A's to win this game in terms of the wild card game, regardless of where they play it. I think the A's are coming in a lot more firepower in terms of just playing well all the time. They've been playing well all year, and I think they've been very mass, much overlooked all year um, because they're Oakland and no one really trusts them. I think the A's win that game wherever it is, but I think the Red Sox might actually have a hand and will actually help make this game go to Oakland. Yeah, it is important because, like you said, the short porch obviously is different. The A's have a huge stadium, so things are going to be very, very different whichever park they play in, like wildly different. Those parks couldn't be more different. So, and I mean, it's also interesting because I, mean, I know I'm big into the numbers, but the Yankees are 49 and 26 at home as opposed to 42 and 32 on the road. So they're much better at home. They're seven, six and a half games better at home. The A's, on the other hand, are only two games different at home in a way. They have two more home wins and road games than road wins. So they're good in both. So put them in their home park. They're going to be comfortable. The Yankees have less wins there. So I feel like the comfort level, it won't matter as much for the A's and it will matter more for the Yankees. And also just to me, what really matters the most is just the momentum these two teams have. The Yankees were better earlier in the year. And then obviously, you know, they were like neck and neck with the Red Sox and then the Red Sox decided to go nuts and go 103 and 47. Yankees are still good at 91 and 58, but they have not been playing well since the sweep of the the Red Sox did of them. I think I saw yesterday they were like 23 and 19 since they got swept by the Red Sox. That's not very good. And the A's, they started out a little slower and they've been on absolute fire for the last like two and a half months. And they're all the way up to 90 and 60, which is a really good record. And if you can do math, one, one and a half games behind the Yankees. So they're right on their tail, one and a half games behind. And they've been the hotter team for about a month and a half now at this point. So they're hotter they're good at home, and the Yankees aren't as good on the road. Mm-hmm. So those all add up. And like you said, the Red Sox are going to have a big decision, and that was six more games against the Yankees. If they can win like four or five of those games, they may, may very, very well be putting the A's as the home team, get that win in the wild card game, and then the Red Sox will be playing the A's. It's fascinating. The idea here would be the Yankees starting Severino in that wild card game, right? I assume. I mean, he hasn't been as good recently, but yeah, I guess. So (laughs) here's another reason why you'd want him to be on the road. At home, 2.86 ERA, only allowed up 27 runs at home over the course of the year. On the road, ERA of 4.01 and let up 46 runs on the road. Whoa. That's That's a massive difference. I was looking it up out of curiosity, thinking it wouldn't be that far off. He sucks on the road. That's notable. So that's where he's blowing all these games i guess right yeah, i guess so because i didn't <laughs> i thought it would be closer than that i just assumed he's in bad but like apparently he just doesn't like pitching outside of the wiffle ball stadium they play in in the bronx interesting so i'm if and i'm giving that to you because you're the stats guy on this show 
I love it. That means they, they have to play in Oakland because if they're if he's pitching in the Bronx, there's a better chance their Yankees are going to win and the Red Sox are going to get the winner of this wild card game. And are they going to trust the guy with a four ERA on the road in a one game playoff? That's oh come on! Don't give Gar- don't give Aaron Boone kind of credit. He won't even think about it twice. He's going to let Severino <laughs> start. Come on now, right? Because he's their best pitcher all the way. Right? Exactly. That's dangerous for them. Yep. I mean. It's it's important. I mean, obviously, home and road is a little less important in baseball than in other sports, especially basketball. But when you're playing a one-game playoff, that's more important because it's one game. And then if you bat last, you always have the advantage because if you get down, you can still come back. So yep. that's big. I'm really excited that the Red Sox get to have a big say in whoever wins the wild card. That's cool. That's yeah. really cool. It's, it's an, to it. We will get into who we'd rather play if, as a Red Sox fan, media member, whatever we consider ourselves. Um, when we get closer to that point. But um, I can tell you an answer now, but I'm not going to. Um, that will be a playoff preview show of this of this show, so uh, we will talk about that later. But there is Red Sox news to get to, but I wanted to kind of dive into that a little bit because it's curious because with those Yankees matchups you have left, you can really affect how that wild card game turns out. So 5-1 week for the Red Sox, 103 wins like we talked about, 103-47, and 47, that beautiful-looking record. Uh, probably get to like a 111, 110 win year, which is obviously amazing. Um, it would smash the franchise smash record. Smash the franchise not, record not at 105. No, it's smashing. Yeah. Um, so they'll do that. I can't imagine this franchise team, franchise record altering team having so many holes. Um, well, not so many, but one big one, and we'll talk about it. But let's start with Chris Sale. Let's have some positivity. Has had a couple starts now. He looked really good today, too, Jess. He's looked good. Uh, today, he probably could have kept going, but they didn't let him. He went three innings. Um, looked really good. Looked like he had in command. And he looks like he's on progression to ramp up to being full strength. No kind of innings restrictions or anything once he comes playoff time. Yeah, because obviously the first time he went one inning, even though they planned for two, and then he threw the last one in the bullpen. Then he threw three on Sunday here, and then through one more in the bullpen as well what i found fascinating about this was that he only threw 42 pitches in three innings which is a lot better than he had in his first one because he had like 26 pitches in just the one inning and only one strikeout today he got nine guys out and only had one strikeout which obviously is different than he normally does because he's a big strikeout guy but in the playoffs i would prefer this because obviously as everyone knows the you know the biggest hole in the team is the bullpen so if you can avoid them as long as possible, if he can go like seven innings and throw less pitches because he's getting less strikeouts, that would be really nice. So I don't know if this is a precursor. I don't know why he only got one strikeout necessarily, but like that's that would be big for pitch count if he can do that some more. Yeah, as a Chris Sale fan, you almost want him to get the strikeouts because that's what he's so known for. But I mean, but managers and even Chris Sale have been on record saying like even at the beginning of the year, got to pull my strikeout numbers down because that's what's causing me to pitch so much because I'm throwing so many walls. If he can pitch to contact and obviously still get some strikeouts, that's going to help him longevity-wise. Um, but right now, he looks healthy. He's throwing. He threw a, lot of, a less amount of pitches today, which is good. Um, on track to obviously make that next start, probably push him to four or five innings, depending. But And no setbacks so far. That's and, the most important Yeah, thing. that's the thing. Is he says he feels great. Um, he's kind of. It seems like he's kind of annoyed they're putting him on a restriction, which means you know he's fired up and ready to go, which is great. I, I want him to be annoyed that he's on a restriction because that means he's ready to go, and I just can't wait to watch this guy pitch again in October with the after having a year of like rest and ready to go. Oh, it's um, going to be so important. because yeah. he's now he has so much more rest than he had in the past. He's exactly, huge. it's going to be massive for what they're trying to accomplish. And the other side of it is David Price, who has been the best pitcher since the All Star break in this in this league, and. 
but no one cares because it's not October. And, and I am on a hundred percent on board with that statement. I, I love what he's doing. You can't take away from it. But now let me see it in October because this is the guy we need in David Price to be the number two alongside Chris Sale. If you have any shot of doing anything past the first round in the postseason. Yeah, it's lining up really well because if Sale can be healthy, he said today that he'll be at 100 pitches by the postseason, which is obviously what you want because that's a full game. Um, so if you can have him healthy and, and going well, and then Price with the confidence, I think that's the big thing. Like, I don't necessarily care that he's 0-8 as a starter in the playoffs, as a lot of people would. I care more about his confidence because the fact that he has that record, like, kind of shows what kind of confidence he has yeah. and you know in, in the past you know when they made the playoffs and you know he was like you know someone asked him i like you haven't gotten a playoff win and then he was like oh, i have two as, as a reliever and like that he was he was so hung up on that so that was his mindset in the past now if you heard this week he said i'd go 35 and 0 with a zero era and nobody's going to care unless i or more more like I, I don't care unless I pitch well in the playoffs. So I think he has an attitude change. He has a mindset change. He's gone, he's gone from correcting people about his playoff record to saying that nothing matters except the playoffs. Yep. So it seems like kind of the BS factor that he's kind of been using for a while. He's kind of not doing that anymore, which makes me feel better because he needs to be confident to pitch well in the playoffs, which he clearly hasn't been in the past, and it seems like now he is. So if he can just ride this hot streak right into the playoffs and keep it going, that's how he's going to pitch well. So he just has to stay confident. That's the thing with him for me. How much of that do you attribute to Alex Cora? Because I a lot attribute that to Alex Cora, because I think mm-hmm. everything else that changed from last year to this year, I think you can just defaultly say it to Alex Cora, because yeah. it's not it's not Sean Farrell. Um, else because changed, there's really right. else, no other explanation. But I, when you look at what David Price's mindset is at, I really think Alex Cora had a big part in it, because Alex Cora played here. Alex Cora knows what it's like to win here, um, and he's not a stiff like Farrell was. So it comes to the point where he comes in with the attitudes, and day one he goes, "I know, guys, I know what it's like to play here. I get what kind of pressure you're under." But let me help you fix that in your heads and tell you what it's like to kind of have success here. And you believe me because I've had it. David Price, I think, got a little knock in the head from Alex Cora this year saying, "There's no, they're not lying to you when you say, if you do well in this city, you will be revered forever. And it's a big part of that. And I think this year it's finally hitting. And I think Alex Cora is a big part of why David Price has done so well, especially in the second half. Plus, Price can see he's gotten a standing ovation like the last three starts he's made. Yep. Like people are noticing when he pitches well because that's what we do here. So he's noticing that, and yeah, I agree. I think yeah, I actually hadn't really thought about that that much. But you're totally right. And instead of you know, Core could be like, I've played here, so I don't want to hear your crap. But he's probably took like you said the other perspective and been like, I've played here, so I understand how difficult it is. But you have to play well, or it's going to be bad for you. Like he probably laid it out in nicer terms instead of just being like, Yeah, I know it's you know. It's hard to play here, so too bad. Suck it up. Yeah. You know, he was, he was probably nice about it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool to be able to be, even though Cora wasn't even that good, to be able to say, I've played here, so this is how you can handle this place. Yep. That's huge. 100%. Um, so I, I look at this as a situation where you need that, and I think David Price is going to help him through the process. So obviously kind of see there. One quick note before we get into the playoff stuff a little bit. Mookie Betts, um, Hurt, hit a couple times, like got hurt a couple times, uh, got hit in the elbow, seemed to be okay after getting hit. That was what, Saturday, right? Yeah, that was Saturday. I believe that was Saturday, yeah. Um, and then today he comes out of the game Sunday 
after a th- weird throwing situation in the outfield, tried to stretch out the oblique and looked like it was, it was struggling, so he came out of the game. It sounds like it was precautionary. It sounds like he's good to go for Tuesday, which is a massive relief. But it, you never know. Um, that stuff could linger, especially that can come back out of nowhere if you sleep on it wrong. Um, but at least for now, Jess, I think we dodged a bullet with the bets thing. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was an oblique because that's it looked like that place. But then they just said left side soreness, which that's I a, guess that, that's an oblique. They just don't want to tell you that. But in then my, why would you? Head. But but then why would you be playing in two days? Obliques keep guys out for weeks. That's why I don't think. True. I think it is. I think it. It was not as bad. So I was worried he'd be out for the next three weeks and be questionable for the playoffs. So when I read that he was going to be back for the next game, I was like, whew. Yeah, you're you, good. You got to have, have this guy. I mean, this team's great, and he's a huge part of it. If you don't have him for any part of the playoffs, that's a bad, bad I think, sign. I think once you clinch the playoffs this week, just give him a couple days off here and there. Give him rest. Right. Like, today was great. Um, Xander and JD got the whole game off. There was they could there were times where they could have put him in, both of them, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys win or lose this game, it's fine. Um, per, again, perks of having the perks of having the big lead. You can kind of take that chance. But getting guys like Xander, JD, Mookie, full games off, you're not playing or whatever, that's good. That's, that, that's what they need at this point in the year. Yeah, you need to uh, rest Mookie for a few games, get JD's average up, and get him the triple crown. Yeah, Mookie, <laughs> Mookie, do you mind taking some nights off? We're gonna get your boy the triple crown. Cool. Okay. Because cur- currently he is Mookie's nine points ahead of JD, three thirty-seven versus three twenty-eight. JD is also two home runs behind Chris Davis, forty-three to forty-one, and obviously JD's gonna get the RBI lead because he's still seven ahead, and that Chris Davis is making it difficult on him. So yeah, we'll see what happens. It's gonna be. Tough to get the triple crown, especially if he gets more days off towards the end of the season. But he's so close still. He's so close. That's the thing is the A's like kind of are playing of every game like they need it, whereas the Red right. Sox aren't. And there's no, I don't think JD cares about the triple crown. He cares about winning. That's why he's here. He doesn't care about. He doesn't care about stats. Yeah, whatsoever. He, he cares about the team. So I, I don't. Whenever people try it. to bring up stats to him, he says, "I don't want to hear about it or talk about it." He says, "I don't care about stats." Yeah, no, <laughs> he doesn't. He only cares about his team, right. his swing, and making sure he lets the team win. And that's that's the biggest thing. And one thing that took for me from this Mets series, real quick too, is that this team cares about the team first. You can tell the way they manufacture runs. Like today was a great example of when when Brock Holt came up to bat, there was a pitch outside. Easily could have poked it the other way, but there was a guy on second base, and his job was to get in the air in the outfield on the right side of the field, reached out with one hand to make sure he pulled it, sacrificed himself, and then that led to a run, which is why you won the game. Things like that, not necessarily always happening on other teams, the Red Sox are okay with this, and they trust themselves, and they're a team that wants to play for the team and manufacture runs like that. And those kind of manufactured runs are huge when it comes to October, because do, being able to do that is the, is the difference in those closed games is when you have a pitcher who's lights out and dominant, being able to manufacture one run in the seventh or eighth inning is how you win games, even though there are aces on the other team that are pitching well. Right, because you don't want to play for home runs in those games. You want to play for the one or two quick uh, sacrifice fly that's all you're runs. Get. Like those guys, you know, Because you're facing Verlander. You're facing all these guys who are studs. And everyone says right. you know, pitching wins in October. But so you, you get runs when you, you can. You're not going to get like... <laughs> a couple home runs a night you're going to manufacture runs whenever you can get them right and back to your point about for the team yeah i mean this team clearly loves each other they are they all are all about each other and i think that starts with cora and you know trickles down to players like brock holt who are great team guys you know that's those are the kind of people you need and this team just loves each other and jd and brock's hugging jumping hug after every home run either of them hits i mean it's awesome they're great 
And Brock Holt's so valuable in that those terms. And apparently he's the greatest pinch hitter ever, too. Ever. So that's going to come in huge because it's probably going to be most playoff games he's not starting. And if he can come in and make big hits in like the sixth and seventh inning, then, I mean, pinch hit him for Sandy Leone, have him start the game, catch really well, pinch hit Holt in the sixth or seventh inning, get a big hit, bring in another one of your three catchers. I mean, Holt's going to be huge. He's going to be a big, big part of this playoff. And run. that's what we've been be saying fun. forever on this show. Brock mm-hmm. Holt's just not an everyday player. That's why he's, you kept him he's for so, these situations. He's so valuable as a utility man, but he just isn't an everyday player. And I think now he's finally getting to play in that role because he's not yep. needed everywhere because you have Nunez, Kinsler, Phillips, if you put him on the roster or whatever it may be. You have guys he's got, that... He's gotten so many big hits in the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. And that's perfect timing. Keep it going because then you can yes. do it in October. But you're 100% right where this team loves each other and Brock Holt's a huge part of that clubhouse mantra. That's why they kept him. And, and I this, guarantee this is, the, this only, is, the only reason he kept him. They love Brock Holt. The Red Sox and he, and he adore loves <laughs> Brock Holt. Um, and I don't think they would ever have cut him, ever. And he'll All be right. back next year. They'll keep him on the team, as long, and they're going to keep he's paying. Such, he's such a good guy. He's, he's such awesome. a good guy. He doesn't care about starting every day. He doesn't want to start every day. He wants to win, and he cares about this team. And if you can keep him in this clubhouse next year, too, he's going to keep having that value, and that's why he's still here. Right. He's the Jimmy Fund captain. That's yeah. a big deal to the Red Sox. Yep. You know how important the Jimmy Fund is. So he's going to be here as long as he wants to be because they love him. And yep. I mean, he's he's just a good person, period. Yep. I don't care about baseball. He's just a good guy. And that's awesome. why he's so good in the clubhouse. All right. Um, so that, and that's going to come valuable. So playoffs are coming. We know who's going to make it. We probably know who's not. But there's some bubble names um, on this list. And I want to just touch on a little bit of them here. Let's, let's first of all talk about Stephen Wright because – I think we're pretty sure Stephen Wright's going to make the team for the roster, for the playoffs. Absolutely. Because whether it's going to need to be in the rotation or in the bullpen, he's pitching somewhere. Um, but it seems to me, Jess, he, he's getting the eighth inning role right now. They, they, they trust him to be in the eighth inning. They keep rolling him out there late in games. And I don't hate it because it's a change of pace from what you're getting. All of your starters throw hard. So if you can get Stephen Wright and then go to Craig Kimbrell, that's a massive difference for a one-inning split if he can be successful with it, which he has been. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't love it or hate it. I don't this for re, both. I have reasons for both. I don't hate it for the for what you said for like the change in pace, kind of throw people off. And I also don't like it because, as we know, a long time here with Tim Wakefield, great pitcher, but the knuckleball so inconsistent that yep. that's kind of scary for the eighth inning too. So I like it and I don't like it. And I, I mean, it, it's kind of perfect for this team, I guess, because as we've been talking about. They have a lot of solid pitchers, but we never know who's going to be the eighth inning guy. So if you could finally slot this guy who missed the beginning of the season for an assault thing and then, you know, was injured and they gave up 10 runs in a game and they got hurt again, this would have been one of the last people I would have picked to be the eighth inning guy. I didn't think he'd be on the team or the roster or anything. So it's very strange. Never would have expected it. But in a way, it kind of makes the most sense, which just doesn't make any sense at all but it's been fascinating watching him pitch because he's gotten in trouble a few times and he gets out of it every time without giving up runs so it's like he's almost good at the situation while getting himself into trouble it's very it's very confusing the way i look at <laughs> the way i support the and the reason biggest reason why i support it is what has been more consistent to this point right like, i yes like what why not why it's really a why not because right. if he can go in but there, it's so and, important. Yeah, but it's it's a yeah. it's a really a why not? Because it's either you, you Stephen Wright's comfortable with it, he dominates and he's fine, and Corey knows he has an eighth inning guy, or it's a all right, who who's going out there tonight? Let's figure it out. And we've talked about the wheel of bums 
on this rotate in the staff. They, they, like they're not awful, but they're not steadily great. And that's what you need in the eighth inning. And great, if I'm saying Stephen Wright might be steadily great, then God knows we're in an alternate universe in the eighth inning. Um, but he's there, and I think that's important. And I think I think he makes the playoff roster, obviously. But I think he's your eighth inning guy. I don't think he's going to get a chance to start um, because I don't think you need him. Um, he yeah. maybe he's a starter next year. Who knows? But I, he's your eighth inning guy. It's so weird. It's just like. Nothing you'd expect, but it's great because he's getting a chance to do it, and Cora's letting him try it out in these games that matter, matter. but not as much. Yep. So he's been sitting here just pitching the eighth inning for several games and doing well. Like I said, giving up base runners but not giving up runs, which is all that matters. So yep. he's getting a chance to do it. He's showing he can do it. And like you said, n- nobody else has really been better in the eighth inning, so why not? Okay, let's go. These four names, Brian Johnson, Rafael Devers, Joe Kelly, Tyler Thornburg. I would say three out of those four don't make the playoff roster. Or, okay, shouldn't make the playoff roster. Which one do you think? Which one do you think I think should make it out of those four? You're asking me what I think you think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think you're going to say that Devers should make it. No, I think Brian Johnson should make it. Okay, I agree. I think Rafael Devers, and this is the big one, because I think we all think Joe Kelly should be off of it and just send him home. Like, just, no, go home. Um, Never he's, again. Yeah. Tyler Thornburg didn't work out. We figured it out. We lost the trade. Bye. It's really Brian Johnson and Rafael Devers are like those two where it's like, you can make a case for both, but you're really sure. Brian Johnson has a role. It's either, it's a long relief guy. When, if one of your starters sucks, um, if someone gets hurt, he can, he can start in a pinch. Velasquez is going to make the roster. Rafael Devers, yeah, you got hurt, but your defense is terrible, and in the playoffs, you need defense. And I trust him I trust him hitting, I do, but do you really trust his bat enough to keep him on when you have Kinsler that needs to make the team, you have Nunez that needs to make the team, you have Brock Holt that needs to make the roster, you have Zue Lin, who's been playing phenomenal baseball, um, you have Brandon Phillips, who clearly everyone wants to make the roster, so... You have five other guys who can play third base right now better than Rafael Devers is playing third base. I don't think there's a spot for Devers. Now, do I think he actually gets less left off the roster? I don't think so. I think Devers is on this roster because I don't think the Red Sox will leave him off. But do I think he deserves it? Absolutely not. Interesting. Yeah, um, I don't think he should be on it, which is so weird for me to say because you totally, you know— from the beginning of the year till the middle of the year, you would have 100% expected him to be on it because he basically played third base every day, and he was their guy. And then he got hurt. He went on the DL a couple times. His average plummeted big time. His errors <laughs> increased big time. And his power really hasn't been there besides a couple home runs. So I feel smart, by the way. I said he was going to hit 14 home runs in my preseason predictions. He only has 17, which is a lot less than people expected. So I feel a little bit smart about that. That aside, yep. um, I... Well, you also didn't think he was going to get hurt the whole year. You just thought he was going to hit less home runs. Right. If he was healthy, maybe he would have hit more. But I don't know. His average is so terrible at this point, down to 235 or whatever it's at. So um, it's weird to think that he wouldn't be on the roster. But I honestly don't think they're going to have him be. Cora's been going away from him. He's not been playing him as much. And like you said, defense is important in the playoffs. And his average blows. So all he's good for is home runs. And he's not even that fast. So he's not even really that useful as a pinch runner. So I don't really know how useful he is, period. He's young. He'll be here. He'll get better. But I don't think it's for this year, and I don't think Cora is going to have a problem leaving him off. I don't. I think it's going to take 
a hit to his confidence, sure. But if Cora explains what the reasoning is, it kind of makes sense. And I don't think he's going to make it. Yeah. So I don't think he should, and I don't think he will. I mean, I would love him not to make it because you got to think, you know, Steve Pierce is going to make the roster um, because they, they do. Kinsler and the Nunez are going to. Kinsler and Nunez are going to. I don't think Phillips is going to. I don't think I don't... Phillips will anymore. You haven't really seen him much. Lynn's um, not going to. Lynn won't. But I think Kinsler has to. Kinsler and Nunez are going to be the two that. You know, play second. Nunez will play third. Brock Holt will play third. Um, well, they brought Kinsler here once they realized Pedroia was going to be out for the year to be your second baseman. So there's no way they're going to leave him off. And Nunez has been hitting much better since he got healthy about a month and a half ago. So they're not going to leave him off. So I, there really is no place for Devers. I don't see how no. there's any way. Because I look at Nunez, I think Nunez is your everyday third baseman in the playoffs. Right. The way they're, way they're set up now, I think he is your everyday third baseman. And I think he's more comfortable over there than second base anyway. But I, he's I think playing a lot more than Devers for the last you know three weeks anyway. Yeah. So you got to think that he's probably the one they're going to trust to play third base. Kinsler obviously is your guy at second base. Maybe even next year, honestly, if they really don't have anyone, if they don't trust Pedroia to come back, maybe they keep Kinsler. I think they should keep Kinsler, but that's a whole other show. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I I think right now. Devers is the odd man out in the, that group, and I think those four are really the group that we're talking about. If Joe Kelly makes this roster, you're screwed because that means he's going to use Joe Kelly, and which means, I and then you're going to lose some close games. Well, he's given Kelly every shot. To every he should be on it. Every shot. He's literally pitched on like every game in every big spot, and he's literally blown every single. Game. He's so bad. He's such a terrible. <laughs> he's not good at all. He has no control. He gives up runs. He hardly gets any outs. His 99 mile per hour fastball doesn't matter because he doesn't get anybody out. He's terrible. He's not. He can't be on this. If they pick him for this team, I'm going to seriously question that because it makes no sense. He's proven absolutely nothing, and Cora's given him every chance to prove it, and he's garbage. He's an awful pitcher, and he should be nowhere near this playoff roster, and I really hope he's not, and yeah. I don't think he will be. I don't see how they can, in good conscience, put him on the playoff roster because he blows. Yeah, no, they, can't. they can't. They do can't. It. They can't do it because if they, they put him on the roster, <laughs> they are seriously, one, they're keeping somebody else off of it, who should like be on Brandon it. Workman like or Brandon somebody Workman like that. or someone like that. Yeah. Um, and saying, yeah, you've sucked the last month and a half, two months, but we're going to trust you anyway in the ball. And I'm like, what? No. No, 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 they no. Can't. You're going to lose. You're going to lose if you do that. I um, think they want to, and he's proven the last two weeks that they shouldn't. He's totally pitched himself right out what of the if, and I don't think this is going to happen. I don't see him doing this. But what if he comes around in the next couple weeks as the season's wrapping up and has a good couple weeks? Do you think that justifies it enough to keep him on? For me, no. For them, maybe. I say, is that enough for? Is that <laughs> enough for that? I know it's not enough for us. He should be far away from this team. Maybe ship him to London. And just let him not even be in the same country. But is it worth it to them if it's two weeks from now, after these series or after the season's over, if he has a good two weeks? Is that is that enough for Alex Cora and the Red Sox to say, you know what, screw it, let's keep Joe Kelly on the team? I think the only way that happens, because it's probably between him, I think Brian Johnson's making it either way, and I think Thornburg's not making it either way, because they got him to be the 8th inning guy or 7th inning guy, and he just hasn't pitched well. No. So I don't think they're going to trust him, which is sad, because I really thought he was going to be good. Regardless, um, I think it's between Kelly and Workman, and Workman's been good recently. So I think the only chance that that happens, and I think this is a really big long shot, is if Kelly is literally perfect for the next two weeks and gives up no runs, and Workman just stinks up every game he pitches. That's which, the only uh, which I also don't think is going to happen. No, because even if Kelly's really good and Workman's like pretty good, 
they should still pick Workman. So Kelly has to be perfect, and Workman has to be garbage. That's the only way it happens. I don't see it happening any other way. Yeah, no, I, I think I 100% agree with that. So I think we're on the same page of kind of what should happen and what will happen, and this couple, there's a couple weeks left, so who knows. But um, I think I think we're all kind of pretty sure what the scenario is going to look like. So let's before we get out of here, we talked a lot of good stuff tonight, obviously, with the 103-win Boston Red Sox. Um, yeah. 59 and a half games up on those pesky Baltimore <laughs> Orioles. You never know, though. Season's always... So a lot of baseball left, right? Um, three against the Yankees uh, on the road. We're p- kind of predicting the, uh, the, re- the, re- the division we wrapped up in the Bronx, which would be nice. And then you have three against Cleveland on the road to end the, to end the week, and then you come home to end the season at home against those pesky Baltimore Orioles and the New York Yankees. <laughs> so let's talk about this Yankee series, Jess. Evaldi Price, Erod against Hap, Severino, and Tanaka. Pretty good pitching matchups. Um, what Tuesdays at one oh five in the afternoon? I want to know the reason. For like, that. What, what is what that? What sense does that make? Not a getaway Tuesday. Day. Like, not a getaway day. They both first have the, game in the series. They both have the day before off, mind you, too. Um, so I have no idea why they're doing this. But either way, day game, Avaldi Hap, and then you go Price and Erod. Just what's going to happen in the Bronx other than the Red Sox clinching the division on Enderbury territory? Yeah, they should. Um, I've got winning two out of three because I don't think you sweep them because you're in New York and they need to win these games a lot more than the Red Sox do, but the Red Sox are just so good and the Yankees are been playing pretty average, like I said earlier in the show, for the better part of a month now. Yep. So I think I feel pretty good about two out of three, especially with Price and Erod going. They both pitched really well in their last start. Price has been great for a while. Erod's definitely getting it back. Um, I know they have... Hap, Severino, and Tanaka, which I'm guessing are probably their three top win guys. So if there's any chance for them in the series, this is probably it. But the Red Sox have good pitchers as well. So I think the thought process for the Red Sox, looking to knock them out of the AL East, which is obviously going to happen no matter what, but doing it right here in New York, I think that's going to be a strong strong uh, urge to beat them. And the Yankees just haven't been playing well. So I like two out of three. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, um, I like two out of three, but... I'm going to say lose two out of three right. just just because I think the Yankees really do know they need these games. Um, yeah. And then I, do, I just don't trust Nathan Valdi right now, and it's a 1 o'clock game, which is just weird. And then between Price and Erod, I think you win the Price start. I really do. Um, and then I think you lose Tanaka Erod just because Erod's working his way back. So I, I think but the Yankees have the motivation. Um, you lose two out of three of the Yankees, which doesn't matter. And the guy himself... You still clinched the division. And in my that. scenario, Jess, Mr. David Price is the guy who clinches the division for you on Wednesday night. Uh, David Price against Luis Severino. But, again, Severino's at home, so you never know. Yeah, where he's good. Uh, I agree, though. I think you lose the first game, win the second game. So I think you clinch on Wednesday. Clinch on Wednesday. David Price, the man himself, is going to go down to New York. He's going to shut him down. He's going <laughs> to help us win the division, and all of us are going to be forgotten. And then three against Cleveland... They've already wrapped up their division with like eighty something wins because their division's tough sucks. So they're they don't have anything to play for. Um, Rick Porcello, Chris Sale, Nathan Valdi again um, against Clevenger, Mr. Bieber himself, and Kluber. So Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber's on the, just <laughs> married Bieber. and on the mound, baby. Um, I have you taking two out of three against Cleveland with Porcello and Sale both going, and this will be Sale's more extended start. Um, he'll get one more before the playoffs against the Yankees, but I think that'll be enough for you to beat Cleveland. Um, but I think you take two out of three Sunday night baseball next week. The Red Sox, right? Is that if I'm right on that? 
Um, yeah, it's at seven o'clock. It's seven o'clock yeah, it's a seven o'clock Sunday night baseball game, which is weird. Yeah. Uh, but either way, I think you take two out of three against Cleveland. All right. Well, since we were different in the first series, we'll keep it going different. I'm gonna say lose two out of three for a couple of reasons. First reason, yeah, it doesn't. It's not gonna matter. Both teams are in a one division at that point, so it really matters for neither of them. You know, you're on a six game road trip. You already beat the Yankees two out of three and wrapped it up. So I feel like this is a good series to rest some starters. I know you have Porcello and Sale going, which I feel great about. Don't feel very good about Yovaldi versus Kluber. That's not a very good matchup for you. But Clevenger's pretty good at 12-8. and 8. Bieber pitched well against the Red Sox last time. So I like the pitching matchups uh, a little better for the Indians. And I just feel like there's going to be some rest. Mookie's going to get some rest. JD's going to get some rest. Um, so I think it's a good series to lose two out of three after you already clinched the division and nobody cares about any of them. Besides the fact that it's Indians and it's fun to beat them, but yeah, and it's, and it's Francona and it's just that kind of thing, but right, which is crazy. And this week in, in general um, puzzles me because the scheduling makers looked at the schedule and probably went, "Oh, Red Sox are on the road, the Yankees and Indians at the end of the season. That's gonna be, that's gonna mean something." None of these games mean anything, Jess. Like they're right. gonna they're gonna win the division even if they get swept by the Yankees. They're still gonna win the division because the Yankees are gonna lose again. And you go to the situation where it's like this year, this week should have been like a nut kind of cracking time you know you come in and yes. you're fighting hard for the division you play the yankees six more times none of these games matter just they're gonna win and three three of them are on espn <laughs> like, like, wow. it was, three of them are on espn they have four more national televised games with one of those other yankee series being on a friday night and none of them matter how much do you think the major league baseball schedule makers hate this right now because right. obviously they matter for the yankees to try the wild card but they don't matter for the two teams playing each other no right? they don't matter so, at all like, because everyone thought these Yankees games, all six of these games were going to be so huge because everyone thought the Yankees were going to the division. And here we are 11 and a half games up on in mid-September. I mean, and the, they should they should be winning the division with a 91-58 record. And they're 11 and a half games behind because the Red Sox are 103 and 47. That's right. We're saying it again because it's absurd. We we need to soak every, every time we say this in because you just don't see seasons like this ever. Hardly ever. All right, we'll wrap so. up with Jess's exuberance on the 103-47 first place Boston Red Sox. 59 and a half games up on those pesky Baltimore Orioles. That's right. At Red Sox CLNS is the coverage for the network, including our show, Red Sox Beat Podcast on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes, as well as you can listen to us on Stitcher. We're both on both app stores, so get us anywhere, basically, as we're ramping up here for the playoffs because your 103-win Red Sox team is going to win the division in the Bronx on enemy territory. So next week when Jess and I are back, we're going to be talking about a division-winning team, uh, maybe 107 or 8 wins, who knows? And yeah. those Baltimore Orioles having more losses. So who knows? Maybe they'll be above. They'll be uh, sixty something games back of the Red Sox by the time we talk next week. And um, if they're not, then they're gonna we're gonna sweep them next week and yeah. be like sixty four games. It, it, exactly. Um, so we'll leave it there. Oh, man, Jess Thomas over there, Jared Scally over here. This has been Red Sox Beat Podcast here on CLNS Media. We'll be back next week celebrating a division. <laughs>